We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey guys, what's up? Kevin Jones, founder of Blue Wire. Thanks for listening to this podcast. Do me a favor, send it to one of your friends. We're growing this network, grassroots style. It takes everyone. You're a part of our team if you send this to one of your friends. All right, enjoy this podcast and appreciate your support. All right, what's going on, Hornets fans? This is episode 98 of Buzz Beat. I'm Richie. We'll be joined, as always, by Brian and Spencer. Just a reminder, BuzzBeat is a proud member of the Blue Wire Network. You can find our episodes on BlueWirePods.com, Apple, Spotify, and Stitcher. And also, we'd truly appreciate it if you could give our podcast a rating and review on iTunes. So, guys, we're going to jump into episode 98 here. We actually just finished watching the Hornets defeat the Pistons 104-91 to keep the Hornets' season playoff hopes alive. It feels like these last handful of games or so have been uh, very meaningful for the Hornets. Uh, This one that we just watched felt like a playoff game. But before that, to get to this point, the Hornets did defeat Toronto on Friday night uh, at home. And uh, this was the second time uh, in as many games against Toronto that the Hornets did beat them, both with the help of Jeremy Lamb towards the end of the game, uh, one at a half-court buzzer beater. The other one uh, wasn't a buzzer beater, but still a late uh, game situation in when he, which he hit a clutch shot off of a pass from Kimball Walker. So we are at this point right now where if the Hornets win out, they're going to give themselves a good chance of making the playoffs. But let's first jump into the uh, the Toronto game, guys, and I'll, I'll let you guys lead off and just kind of talk about the fact that we've actually beat Toronto, a playoff team, uh, a team that's going to be contending for the Eastern Conference uh, Finals. What does that say about this team moving forward? I mean, yeah, I think it says that, well, this team's obviously playing its best basketball um, at the right time of the year. And, you know, I think it says they care a lot. Um, not that Toronto's firing on all cylinders right now or, or really trying to. But, you know, I mean, like Charlotte, for, for whatever reason, they match up pretty good with Toronto, um, you know, in a weird way. And I think a lot of that has to do with Kimball Walker, obviously. Like, I think we saw in this game that – when Marcus All is on the floor, like in Kimball Walker and pick and roll, like Toronto just really didn't have an answer for it. And, you know, and it, it, if this ends up being a postseason matchup, right, like you'll see a lot more of Serge Ibaka or maybe Toronto even goes small and tries to just swallow up that him a pick and roll. But, I mean, like Marcus All trying to guard, trying to defend anything, like take a step low, even sag really low into the panel, Kimball Walker pick and roll, like it's a joke, right? Like there, there's no chance for the, the Raptors to really corral that type of play and Kimba just feeds off of it he's 11 of 18 in this game he goes for 29 points four from behind the arc um didn't get to the free throw line a lot but you know what he didn't have to drive the ball a lot because he had a lot of space when he came off that pick and and uh Marcus All was it was waiting way too low uh playing defense so I think that is if I had to circle one thing in this game that's it like Toronto can't match up with that if Gasol is going to be on the floor and uh and what a what an enormous win for the Hornets, and you know, look, shout out to Jeremy Lamb. Obviously, shout out to Frank Kaminsky. Guys, we got to talk about him in this episode extensively. The guy's been unbelievable. He's giving the Hornets offense so much space. He's playing with so much confidence. He's knocking down outside shots. He's patient mm-hmm. when he gets to that first or mm-hmm. second dribble, you know, beating a closeout. Like, 
the dude proved us wrong. Period. That that's yeah. just it, it is what it is. Like he did, and he's <laughs> awesome right now, and he's he's really one of the huge reasons for the pivot. You know, in the Hornets' late season. He's been incredible, and, and I do think it's been – granted, he's had to play four in some of these lineups with Aaron and Gomez the last couple of weeks. Those have been bad defensively, as one would expect, like well over uh, 1.2 points per possession. But when he plays at the five, man, the Hornets have been really good. Uh, I looked this up before we started recording. Since the start of March, in lineups with Frank at the five, so you know, no Zeller, no Biz, no, um, no Aaron and Gomez, Hornets over 1.1 points per possession offensively with a positive net rating, like plus three or three and a half plus four, something like that. Pretty good. Maybe even closer to plus five. Um, and it's, that's gotten better, obviously the last couple of couple of weeks, but good point differential, good offensively. Like if you believed in Frank as an NBA prospect, you know, I mean, I think I, you know, I can't backtrack from me saying that I, 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 w- I wasn't sure this guy would be in the NBA next year. And like you said, Spencer, he's certainly proved us wrong. I do think this is what it had to be is like a, you know, microwave offense backup five. Like I always thought his position had to be center. Um, And it's good to see him getting more of those minutes and playing what is objectively the best basketball of his career Uh, back into this Toronto game. um, Kemba three of four on three point attempts that were either open or wide open. It's like you said, when they were sagging, Kemba hit, hit some big shots. I thought this was one of those games that was interesting, too, because if you just look at the box score, wasn't pretty for Miles Bridges and Dwayne Bacon in terms of shooting, like combined 0-9 on threes. Hornets were minus 16 with Bridges on the court. But if you watch this, watch those dudes play that night, I mean, it was a good, they, they both had good games. Like Dwayne Bacon was doing his thing, being attacking closeouts, getting all the way to the rim, not always settling for those mid-range shots. And Bridges, just a little bit of everything. You know, five assists, steal, an offensive rebound, four rebounds, uh, you know, got to the line. Like, he just, again, the guy does a little bit of everything. And he threw some absolutely gorgeous passes, including one in this game, I believe in the second half, actually, where he caught the ball on a short roll. Like, defense came up. And he, like, he caught a tough pass from Malik Monk. He screened for Monk. Caught a really tough pass on the run. It was able to drop it off to, I think, MKG, actually, who uh, I think he got fouled trying to go up and, and score at the rim. And so he, Bridges didn't get an assist for that, but it was the best pass that he had all game. And I think we saw even more of the, those playmaking skills with Bridges in, in, uh, in against Detroit. And he's just, like, looking comfortable. He's guarding yeah. good players. You know, he's guarding Blake Griffin, Kawhi Leonard, and then he's, he's having an awesome two-way impact. And just, like... His ability to just be a second side player is pretty cool because it's not just, it isn't just catch and shoot and like attack and close out straight line drive to the hoop. Like Bridges has a little bit of a floater game and he can pass, you know, and he's not afraid to go go hard to the rim too. So it's like when he catches the ball against a, a defense in rotation, man, it, it's fun to watch because he can kind of, he's like, he can kind of get to his spots and, and kind of do whatever he wants. Um, that's like one of those things that like, you know, depending on what the, the long-term track of like, you know, how long Kemba, if he does resign, if he's in Charlotte, that should be a thing that you see with those two guys a lot going forward is a lot, a lot of that type of action. Um, and when you pair that with Kaminsky at the five and you let miles be the, you know, the de facto one in the four round one, and he can slip and cut and pop and flare and, and roll. And, and just, it's, um, it's impressive, and I think that's something that you can, even if the Hornets don't make the playoffs, that's something you take going forward. Yeah, I think the biggest thing that we could all say, the word with these young players that are playing in these games that are very meaningful, I think it's very interesting that we kind of switched to the younger players, probably because Borrego thought, okay, we, we've tried these veterans. Some of these veterans are getting banged up. Let's just try the young players. And they are the ones that actually have helped us kind of propel Mm -hmm. us in this playoff push. But the one word that I would use, and you guys I think both mentioned it, is comfortable. They're just playing way more comfortable uh, late in this season. Uh, They're not hesitating. They're they're doing, they're trusting their skills. There was one play in Toronto when uh, Devontae Graham was running a horn set and he directed traffic exactly like a veteran point guard would. Miles Bridges is not hesitating from three. He's attacking when he needs to. They're just playing very comfortable within themselves. And they are the reason, or a big reason, obviously outside of Kimba, as to why this this Hornets team is still technically in the playoff picture. But uh, uh, yes, yes, Spencer, Frank Frank Kaminsky, we still have to give credit to. Um, I would love to look at his numbers in terms of 
his at the rim numbers, Brian. I know that you you know you don't need to do it right now, but I feel like the past you know several games, handful of games, he's been doing pretty well around the rim, especially when his shot's not falling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I want to build on that real quick, Richie. Like what you're saying about the young players and how much more athletic Charlotte is when you have a Dwayne Bacon, uh, you know, Miles Bridges, and Malik Monk on the floor together. I mean, Devonte Graham even. I mean, right. These guys, these guys push the pace. They get up in, in, into you defensively. Um, I think they're all pretty decent rebounders for, you know, when you consider the deficiencies physically they have. They're good rebounders. They, they push it off the rebound. And all of a sudden, you know, I've noticed this certainly in, in the last few weeks, Miles Bridges, Dwayne Bacon, you have to respect those guys when they catch it at the three-point line. Those guys and, attack, man. And, and, and they're awesome. It, to Brian's point, they're awesome at beating the closeout. Awesome. See? Like as, as, as good of a lot of, as good as a lot of rotation players in the NBA, this Hornets like the organic growth of this offense and how it's become this five out, especially when Frank's in there. Um, you know, drive, dish, kick, drive, dish, kick, drive, dish. Like that's what it is now, and it's beautiful basketball to watch. It also goes to show you, and, and look, I'm not here to, to bag on Nick Batum, although he has in three April games he has a usage rate of. Uh, under five percent. Um, I know it's just late season funniness, but he shies like, away. He's also down to thirteen percent usage on the season now too. Although he's over one free throw attempt per game, so congrats to Nick Batum. But like, it just goes to show you, man. You have one guy again. I'm not. I don't want to pile on Batum here. Although it seems like that's what I'm doing. I really, it's not worth it. But like, man, you put two guys out there that are willing to to catch. You know, Kemba draws an extra defender, throw it to that guy. And they're willing to get all the way to the rim, man. It's um, yeah. It's it, it's just a difference maker. It gives them a little more versatility, and um, and I know Nick was shooting well off spot ups this year, but just to have one other person that's willing to attack yeah. and get all the way to the rim is uh is huge. And having two of them now with Bridges and Bacon, it just goes to show you, you know, what what a difference maker those those difference makers those two have been. And, and I know we'll talk about this in the Detroit game, you know, which we'll move on to here next. But the kit, all of a sudden, the Kemba Walker, Frank Kaminsky, pick and pop. Sometimes, sometimes Frank will kind of like short roll. But look, to me, that's the most dangerous play in the Hornets' arsenal right now because yeah. if you're a defense, you, you obviously have to corral Kemba, and so you're leaving Frank if he's going to fade or if he's going to pop, and then. If you want to dig up from the opposite corner on Frank, okay, cool. We're going to kick it to that corner to Miles or Bacon to either get a wide open three or if we get a closeout from the opposite side, we're going to drive it to the basket. Like, there are a lot of avenues for the Hornets to score the basketball when Kimball Walker and Frank Kaminsky share the floor right now. And it's just, it, look, basketball's a weird game, right? Like, if you would have told me that, I would have said that, you know, three weeks ago, I would have been like, no, no it's not going to come out of my mouth. But look, man, this is a different Hornets team right now. It just is. Do you guys think they're running more horn set, especially when Miles and Kaminsky are out there, like the double high screen and put Bacon they, and Lamb in the corner? They, they, they pair so well, right? Like yeah. You, you, you do that. I mean, this is what we saw them do with, yeah. you know, Cody and Marvin a billion times, but like the roles are just flipped, right? It's like the, you know, Miles is the sort of the rolling playmaker type guy and, and Frank as the five is the, is the pop spacing agent that like you saw, again, that has been Marvin's main role but yeah it makes the you know they can run those horns looks or those drags double drag screens with those two guys like mm-hmm. yeah it, get, it gives it gives you a lot of options and obviously teams are going to try to throw a bunch of attention at Kemba the Pistons did tonight and um but at least the Hornets have some counters to that and if if the fourth option is you know, for a, Jeremy Lamb coming out of the corner, which he's pretty good at doing. You know what I mean? And catching it, and you know, you know, Kemba pick and pop with Frank. There's a to Frank, no shot there. Or he goes into a DHO with Lamb on the on the weak side of the court, and then Lamb can go right to left and get to that floater or whatever. You're like, okay, like that. You know, this is not this is not the Golden State Warriors trying to score, but like this is what you know <laughs> a, a grown up NBA space offense looks like. You know, so it's been it's just refreshing to see. And there's a difference when that play with Lamb is your fourth move as opposed to a uh, pick and roll with Kemba that went nowhere. Let's throw it to Lamb and at the you know at the above the break and hope he can go one on one and score. 
Uh, one other thing I'll say with Kaminsky here, too, this is since the start of March. 35 of 54 in the restricted area, 65%. There we go. Pretty good. Only seven shots blocked. That's that's not bad either. 77% of those looks have been assisted on. And here's the other, here's two other kickers. 39% on above the break threes for Kaminsky since the start of March. Solid. Wow. So you're, wow. he's giving you 65 at the rim, uh, 39 from above the break. And that's where... I mean, damn near. I think I'm doing rough math, but I believe that's where 100. I mean, it's just where it's where I think 137 of his 185 three, uh, field goal attempts in that span have come from. They've either been so, above the break threes or at the rim. So, and on that, Brian, I mean, those numbers are really good. Like, if you're looking at this as a scout, and let's get ahead of ourselves a little bit here, the Hornets make the playoffs here, Toronto, Milwaukee, whoever it is is playing them. You look at that 39% number above the break, those all pretty much come off that Kimba Frank, you know, pick and pop play. All right, so where are you helping from? Okay, if you're going to help, then we're going to kick it to the corner, and now we're driving and kicking. This is a Hornets team that you're preparing for as any opposition in a sample size of about, I don't know, seven to ten games. Right. Yeah. Not over the course of a season. And I do believe that that makes this team a little bit more, um, I I don't want to use the word dangerous, but it makes them (laughs) – but it makes them interesting. It makes them very interesting because there's not a lot of data out there on these guys. But there is a whatever that number is, seven to ten games. What I said, there's a sample size that makes you think, damn, this group's a little different. Yeah, especially with and look, I mean, I, I don't if, if the Hornets make the playoffs, I don't think any of us have them really being anywhere close to remotely competitive with either Milwaukee or Toronto. But you know. Gasol and Lopez, those guys drop. You know, like there, there would be. There's, there's some avenues towards getting decent half court offense for the Hornets. I mean, it wouldn't be enough, but you can see like the framework with what they would try to do. You know, assuming you know certain guys weren't able to make it back into the rotation and stuff too. And then, and last thing, and then let's move on to the Detroit game. But defensively, this team's not down a river. Now, because of James Borrego, because you have to play Frank Kaminsky pretty big minutes, you know, he's, he's, he's playing great. you got to play him. He has to pretty much be your center in most lineups. Okay, well, Borrego showed us, and he showed us numerous times today. He's going he's gonna to actually try to trap the basketball full court when it comes in bounds yep. off, a, off yep. a made basket. He's going to play 2-3 zone. He's going to run a, a defense that looks almost like a 1-3-1 matchup zone and try to trap the ball when it comes across half court. Like, all of these types of very like, – it's almost a college-style uh, mindset of a really good coach. But this is the NBA, and, and Borrego has these things in place, which my point is makes Frank Kaminsky much more playable. Because if you can force teams to really start their action because of these little gimmicky presses, 14 seconds left on the shot clock, 15 seconds left on the shot clock, you can survive with a guy like Frank Kaminsky mm-hmm. at the five opposed to if you're just letting offenses walk the ball you know, yep. up to the front court. All right, guys, on the other side of the break, we're going to talk about the Charlotte and Detroit game, the game that we just actually watched uh, and has kept the Hornets' postseason hopes alive. But before we get to that, let's talk about life insurance. Life can be stressful, but getting life insurance shouldn't be. That's why there's Ethos. Ethos is a modern kind of life insurance that's super fast, incredibly affordable, and very uncomplicated. At GetEthos.com, there are no medical exams for policies covering under a million dollars, no hours of paperwork or meetings with pushy representatives. It only takes 10 minutes to apply, and you can rest assured knowing you've taken steps to protect your family, and in most cases with Ethos, you can have that peace of mind for less than a cup of coffee a day. And this is with no hidden fees. None. Having life insurance can free you from stress. Getting life insurance shouldn't cause it. Discover how uncomplicated life insurance can be at Ethos. Get your free instant quote and submit your complete application in minutes. Just go to ethos.com. That's E-T-H-O-S. Getethos.com. Last time, it's getethos.com. All right, the Hornets beat Detroit 104-91 to grab their 38th victory of the season. Uh, Actually, Hornets had beaten the Detroit Pistons three times this season, so they own the season record over them 4-0, and that's going to come into play a little bit later on, especially with some other teams as well, and we'll touch on that after this game. So 
Watching this game, there was a lot of urgency from a lot of different players. Miles Bridges, Kimball Walker, Frank Kaminsky. This felt like a playoff game because they knew if they lost this game, uh, they would be out of playoff contention. And at this point, guys, I I know that we've talked about this before in terms of whether or not we should tank, whether or not we should go for the playoffs. At this point, let's just go for it. Like that That's kind of my feelings. Let's just see them make the playoffs. At this point, they're not going to drop low enough in the standings to get a better spot in the draft position. But, you know, watching this game against Detroit, Detroit had a good, I would say, first seven or eight minutes to this game uh, where they came out strong. But then Hornets, from probably about that four-minute mark left in the first quarter, all the way to halftime, built up a lead. I think at one point as much as 23, but at half, it was at 18 points. And I remember texting you guys, do you guys think this will get within five? And, and Spencer was very quick with this. says, yep, it's going to get within five. And it, it sure did. <laughs> so the Pistons fought back in the second half. Uh, a lot of offensive rebounds in the second half for Drummond. I think a lot of that was some of the switching that we did. Uh, he, but finished Drum- with 20, he finished with 23 rebounds Jeez. in this game, by Jeez. the way. What a, what a <laughs> monster. Yeah. Just a vacuum on the glass. But what yeah. was interesting, uh, especially in the first half, and these kind of pertain more to the Pistons towards the first half, they, they did not do a good job at finishing around the rim Drummond especially and that kind of uh built that lead for the Hornets first thing I just kind of want to talk about is just is just Kemba's urgency to start this game he was snagging all the defensive rebounds he had five defensive rebounds in the first quarter uh which is I guess not really unlike him anyway but he just I could tell that he was treating this game like it was a playoff game or March Madness or whatever whatever because he knew that if if they lost this game uh they their hopes were were shot what are your thoughts from this Pistons game? I mean, it was just a whirlwind of a game. I thought for a moment that this Hornets team was going to blow it in, in Hornets fashion, but they held on, and they actually extended that lead towards the end. I mean, Richie, you, I want to start kind of where you left off there about Kemba, you know, able to grab seven defensive rebounds, and you had a great tweet during the game about Jeremy Lamb's assertiveness and, and getting on the defensive glass too. What that did for Charlotte in the first half, when guys like Kimball Walker and Jeremy Lamb, we've talked about this before with MKG, when guys like that are able to get the ball off the glass defensively, the Hornets' offense is all of a sudden one of the most dangerous transition offenses in the league. Seriously. You know, and we saw that in the first half. That's how they were able to get out in front of Detroit because guards, backcourt players, um, you know, you know, having this mentality of everybody's got to be on the glass. You know, we're going against Andre Drummond, the best rebounder in the, in the league here. You know, the guards being able to grab rebounds completely changes the, you know, the, the the organic nature of your offense. You don't really have to get into your sets. Now you're playing freely, you know, and now you're playing with the trailer like Frank Kaminsky that can just come, catch it, and shoot it. You don't have to get into your sets. And I really thought that was the story of the first half offensively for Charlotte is just being able to play with pace. And that's a good thing against a team like Detroit with a Blake Griffin and an Andre Drummond who, as good of players as they are, you know, they're not going to beat you to the opposite baseline very often. They're, they're just a little bit lumbering. So I thought that was huge for the Hornets in the first half. Yeah, and you look, I mean, Detroit came out pretty hot. They were chucking threes. Nine of the first 12 shots from the field were threes. So, you know, that's going to produce some of those long rebounds you were talking about that, that Kemba right. could, could scoop up. This was just like, I mean, Kemba was Kemba was ridiculous. Forty-one minutes, thirty-seven percent usage rate. You know, obviously not a pretty shooting game, but he basically did everything. And I think like two or three of the misses he had were just bunnies at the mm-hmm. rim. Where and he missed some tough shots at the rim too that were contested. But like, and Devontae Graham missed one of these two where those guys made a nice play coming downhill on the pick and roll, like got past Drummond in like the last third of the floor, made a move, and then just actually had a pretty clean look and then just, I mean, like the there was a seal on the rim and couldn't get it to fall. But how about Frank Kaminsky here? 27 and a half minutes, uh, team high net rating of plus 32.3 points for 100 possessions, 62% effective shooting, 66% true shooting, and 32% usage rate for one Frank Kaminsky in this game. Uh, he, he was really, really good. So... I, I was impressed with that. I thought the effort defensively in the first half was as good as hard. You know, look, Richie, like you said a couple minutes ago, Detroit missed some some looks at the rim, and I think Drummond missed like six shots at the rim. He was six to twelve shooting. I think every miss was right at the hoop. But like the way Charlotte was was sticking to their assignments and helping out their teammates and making not you know it's one of those things we talk about on on offense the extra pass and. 
defensively, it's the extra rotation. It's like that one more – like, are you going like to – like, I know you're tired. You just defended for 20 seconds. It's an important game. Like, are you willing to sprint 15 feet, you know, one more time here to try to see if you can at least contest that shot or force one more pass? And I just thought everyone was on their uh, P's and Q's when it came to, to just putting – you know, closing out hard – not out of control, doing it with a hand in the shooter's face or right at the arm. I, I thought Monk had a couple of wonderful closeouts in the first half where I was like, I mean, this guy could always play assignment-level help defense like this. It, it would it would really go go a ways for him. Um, big game all around. Another nice game all around, I should say, for Miles Bridges, too. Five assists again, so it's two straight games with five dimes, which those tie a career high. Three offensive rebounds. Uh, three stocks, one steal, two blocks, plus five, ten points. He hit some mate, two or four from deep. He did two huge threes, including one early from above the break. And then I think another above the break, like in transition later in the game. I just thought he was terrific. Bacon was was super solid again, six to 12, 14 points. Um, he just like his offense is it's just been a legitimate jolt in this team's in this team's half court offense with him, his ability to to attack and, and to take what the defense gives him and, and get all the way to the rim. And yeah, it just, it was an impressive team effort They're Not only are they thin in terms of the, you know, they're missing a bunch of guys, but they're missing a lot of front court, you know, no MKG, no Marvin Zell, no Zeller obviously. And so, you know, you're seeing Dwayne Bacon have to belly up against uh-huh. Blake Griffin in the post. Yeah. And you're yeah. seeing miles bridges have to do that. And Kemba have to do that. And some of these guys were having to take, you know, Drummond on a switch or whatever. And so just, it, it's just a, and I mean, you know, Dwayne Bacon having to guard Thon Maker or whatever, you know, guys <laughs> six or seven inches taller. I mean, I know Maker's not a post-up threat, but just. Or, man, or a threat just, from three, clearly. Bro, well, he, he I'm, does, glad, I'm glad he, I'm glad he kept <laughs> Yeah, exactly. They, they've been working, he, he's been working on that corner three since he gets set foot in the league. And uh, after three years, I'm not sure he's made a ton of progress. But it, it just, they dug in and they played tremendous. They made life for Blake pretty tough. And I mean, outside of, you know, really outside of the offensive glass and, and really, ish. I guess, the, <laughs> the big run. Yeah, I mean, Ish was yeah. incredible. You know, shout out to, to him and him, he and Concord. It was, uh, this was pretty damn good, but uh, I, I just thought it was a, it was a heck of a performance. The Hornets could have they could have folded, and and they ended up winning this game pretty convincingly too. But you know, one of the differences with these young guys too, which is very surprising, is they don't turn the ball over. Yeah, um, you know, Charlotte has five turnovers in this game. Five, five yeah. turnovers. That, that, look, Toronto was play. a low turnover game too. If I it was, it was. You know, and the game at Toronto was a low yeah. turnover game. I mean. This is becoming a habit for these young kids. They don't, you know, when they attack a closeout, when they get into the lane, the floor is spaced mm-hmm. very, very effectively, and they make the right read most times. I mean, Nick Batum, who scores zero points, for, uh, plays 26 minutes, I think, of those five turnovers, <laughs> he's responsible for two of them. Surprise, surprise. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, really, you, you replace those minutes with anything else, and it's less than that. So, uh, look – they, they're just they're surprising and how stable and under control and trusting of each other that they are. Um, you know, I think Brian's done a good enough job talking about Miles Bridges and how comfortable he's gotten in, in not only shooting the three but attacking a closeout and making a pass, not to the opposite side to an open shooter, but a lot of times in tight corners, dunker you know? spot. Yeah, I mean, a really really good behind the back Jeez, yeah. slick pa- a bounce pass to. To biz for the dunk. Uh, I think it was in the third quarter. I mean, he just continues to impress. And, and here's the thing about Miles. He's not going to get the – I don't even think he's going to get second team. Over. Maybe he will. I don't know. I haven't really done my homework. It's tough to say. It's, it's second, close. Yeah, it's maybe maybe he's in the conversation for like second team all rookie. But he's on the outside looking in of because it, it's been an incredible rookie crop this year. And I think that is a good thing. I think it's a great thing for Charlotte. He's kind of flying below the radar here, finishing the season as strong as any rookie, uh, in my opinion. And man, it's just this youth, all this youth um, tidal wave we've had out of nowhere is just so refreshing and so much fun. And I really do think there's a chance 
that that button that's been pushed can push the Hornets in to possibly the postseason. I, I kind of want to talk about that. I mean, I know we can still talk about the Pistons game, but you know, we're seeing these young players play a whole lot more, get comfortable, uh, be very effective. Do you guys think? Let's say let's say we make the playoffs. We're not going to trot out Marvin Williams, correct? We're not going to – I mean, I don't know what his injury status is. Like, we're, we're going to stick with the young players. There might be some ceremonial starters like Batum, but I, I don't – I just view Batum now as someone that just, you know, hey, Bacon, go catch your breath. Batum, come on. Like, I, that, that's how I view Batum right now because he has no impact when he's on the court. So I, I think we stick with Miles. We stick with Bacon. We stick with Devontae Graham and all those young players that got us here. Yeah. I, I, I tend to agree with you. I still think Marvin, assuming he's healthy, will, will work his way back in. I mean, a 40% yeah. point shooter, you know what I mean? Like that, that, that you want, if you got, especially from a, a six, nine guy, like you want, you want as many floor spaces as you can play. My thought would be the minutes that Nick Batum got, which he played 26 minutes against Detroit. Correct. Those just, yeah. those just go to Marvin, you, you yeah. know, or Marvin, right. Marvin takes 20 right. of them and the other six go to, Bridges and Bacon or Monk. And, and again, I actually think Monk, not a great offensive game tonight, but like, you know, three rebounds and they were plus eight with him on the court. And he shot well against Toronto the other night. Like, it, I think even Malik is perhaps earning himself some, some of that chunk of change too. He just doesn't have the, this, obviously the defensive versatility that Nick Batum does. But, but that, but that would be my thought is that, and, you know, I mean, MKG role, MKG's role, like, who knows where we are with that. You know, he's been important in some of these games, and then he's just been – or straight up hasn't been there like he was today, or he has yeah. been there and he doesn't play. It's it's sort of – he might just be like – I would also say, too, like, assuming you're going to match up Milwaukee. With, you're going to need Marvin and MKG, like you need, yeah. You, you need Marvin and yeah. MKG you need for, both. Yep. For, for Giannis and, and Middleton. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. Um you know, MKG's, you know, you don't want to speculate on anything, but, he, you know, he's missed quite a few games. He feels like in his career with these personal issues or personal reasons or whatever it might be. So, um, you know, it, it's tough to say, hey, can you count on him? But, you know, he played well the other night against Toronto. He had a great game there, um, you know, especially late in that game. But, um, yeah, I, I, I agree with Brian. I think if Marvin comes back, he has to play just because of what he what he gives you defensively. And that, you know, that pretty much takes Batum's minutes and gives them, you know, to, to Bacon uh, and Marvin, you know, mm-hmm. maybe somebody else off the bench. But, I, yeah, it, it's hard to get a feel. You know, I, I don't think if Marvin's healthy, I don't know why Batum would be getting minutes, but inevitably he will get minutes, you know, if, if we end up making the postseason. My other thought would be, too, and this is why Marvin would be a, would be a, a, a significant addition is just like I, I don't think you could quite get here. But you could almost say 48 of these minutes are going to be played with Marvin or, or Frank at five, right? And, like, like yeah. just as – like, I know Biz Nation, we all ride with that dude. We, we love Biz. He, he plays super hard. He's a great guy. He's smart, et cetera, et cetera. But it's like, I mean, uh, you know, Biz is limited in some very discreet and obvious ways. Sure. And so I think that – I wouldn't be surprised if Yemi played 22 minutes tonight – uh, against the Pistons, you know, maybe even he gets out. That's like again, Marvin just gives you a little more yeah. versatility. Basically, it gives you yeah, one more yeah. guy who can and, play. And I didn't five. mean that Marvin yeah, wouldn't it, play at all. I, I just meant we would ride ride right, the younger right, players right. a little bit harder than you would for an eight seed or a seven seed in the playoffs. They should. You're, you're not right. going to win, right? So if if there's any value you're going to like extract from this late season push, one of the thing, one of the key points I think would be like, hell, you get some guys that you probably weren't expecting to see get a good bit of playoff experience because either A, you weren't going to make the playoffs, or B, they were you know, on the fringes of the rotation or deeper in the rotation or whatever, and all of a sudden you might make the playoffs, and those guys are playing significant roles. So, again, that might be a, an added bonus for them at the end of the season. Well, it, you know, Not only that, but you know, Marvin being healthy and coming back allows you to get Frank Kaminsky more minutes, you know, pushes Frank Kaminsky's minutes from 28 to 29 to 36, 37. Cause yep. you know, now obviously Marvin plays four with Kaminsky plays five. And then on the defensive end, you know, you can certainly shift that around if Milwaukee wanted to go, you know, it just, it gives the Hornets even more and Brago, even more flexibility to get Kaminsky out their way as a hot hand and feel like you can hold up defensively. So um, yeah, I, I mean, I just, I don't know how you keep Marvin off the floor if he's healthy. Yeah. All right. So, lastly, the the Hornets currently uh, have a record of thirty eight and forty two. They're 
in the ninth spot. Uh, but they do have a chance to make the playoffs. Clearly, they have got to win out. They've got to win out and finish with a record of 40-42. and 42. They have two games left. Tuesday at Cleveland, Wednesday at Orlando. And that Orlando game is big. I mean, so is the Cleveland one. If we, lo- if we lose to the Cavaliers, which we have done before this season, uh, we are out of the playoffs. So just kind of give you a breakdown of the teams that are still kind of in that spot. The Nets are currently playing uh, at Indiana, and they are up currently and I don't think there's gonna be any way that we can catch them if they win this game Uh, mathematically it's not going to work but anyway Detroit they have two games left at Memphis and at the Knicks if they lose one of those games and we win out we own the tiebreaker over Detroit and we would get in as the eighth seed but again that's Memphis and New York then you also have the Magic which to me this is the team that uh, the team that's probably the most likely to catch. They are playing Boston tonight. We're recording this on a Sunday night, and they have not tipped off yet. But they're playing at Boston, and then their final game is at Charlotte. So the, just kind of laying out the odds there. I, th- I think Miami are out of it, really. I mean, they have Philadelphia and Brooklyn left, and uh, they have a lot of catching up to do. But the good news about the Hornets, we own all the tiebreakers over all these teams. So if, if we do win out, that's the only way to get in. And if we do have a tie with one of these teams – we get bumped into the eight spot or the seven spot, whoever we're battling at that point. So I think eight spot is the most likely, and I think the most likely scenario for the Hornets to get in is them winning out and then Magic losing tonight, Sunday night against Boston. So what what are your feelings on the Hornets' odds? If you were to per, put a percentage on it, do you feel good about it, or you just still kind of uh, weary if the Hornets can actually win out? I mean, you know, if you're not... <laughs> you're not biased i would say that the hornets chances are you know creeping up there in the 40 to 45 percent range right now um you know you have to feel pretty good about the cleveland matchup um and look it it looks like brooklyn's going to win this game against indiana tonight so you're not chasing them anymore but orlando and boston tonight i mean that that's that's the one and you you know everybody will be listening to this uh, they'll already have seen that result but if Orlando drops it in Boston tonight, um, you know, I think the Hornets kind of have the front seat here. I really do. Because uh, you, you go to Cleveland, a team, you know, obviously the worst de- one of the worst defenses in NBA history. If They're actually, terrible. They're if so you, bad. If, if They're you bo- so if, bad. If you boil the numbers down and Brian can build on that more, I'm sure. But, I mean, you got to feel good about that. And then you come home against Orlando um, and, and basically winner take all. I think you kind of have to start getting to the place, even as a Hornets fan that is super sour, you have to start saying, you know what? Like, our chances look pretty good. It's all contingent on tonight. Orlando has to lose in Boston. Yeah, same. I mean, I'm right there with you. And, and, and hey, Boston's won three in a row. And I know they've been a bit of a roller coaster this season. But if you look at, and this is even if you filter, if you go through the, the cleaning the glass statue, look at the cleaner stuff that's factored out, you know, the – blowouts and stuff like that this is a team that great net rating uh one i think they're probably top i should pull this up i'll double check in a second but i believe top five or top six in in net rating uh their their clutch efficiency is great uh gordon hayward has been solid recently like he's looked healthy and, and good for them and yeah assuming the celtics can take care of business against a really good or you know you know it's orlando though too and and even this, we'll, we'll see what, how this things go you know, next week with the Magic, too. Like, with Steve Clifford, they're always going to be prepared, right? Like, they're, they're not going to be, you know, their attention to detail is going to be airtight. But, uh, so, I, I, you know, I don't, I, like Spencer said, that, that that number, it seems like it, you know, it's got to be shy of 50-50, you know. But, like, um, yeah, I'd say they're in that 30% yeah. range, 40% range. I mean, I would need to... So- I need to I haven't seen any updated percentage odds yet. Or so five, like yeah. So five thirty-eight live right now. Thirty percent for the Hornets to make yeah, the playoffs. There you go. All Orlando, right. Orlando, seventy-six percent. Brooklyn, ninety-four yeah. percent. Detroit, ninety-five percent. So, but you know, I I know they weight these things too. But look, the kicker is the last game of the season is Charlotte hosting Orlando. Okay, so that that carries so much weight. And yeah. if Boston can just take care of business tonight, I mean, that it, it's going to boil down And to that if game. Boston doesn't take care of business tonight, that does not mean the Hornets are out of it. We just got to become Memphis fans and Knicks fans uh, for the rest of the week <sighs> and hope that they can beat the uh, the Pistons. Yeah. But 
the the most likely outcome, obviously when you're listening to this, you already know the outcome, but the most likely outcome is Boston winning tonight against Orlando and giving Hornets that, that opportunity to make the playoffs. But what would be so Hornets of this team is for Boston. It would be a yeah, exactly, exactly. It wouldn't it wouldn't be losing to Orlando. Like I I would still be upset, but it would yeah. actually be losing to Cleveland on Tuesday night, which would just make me uh, here, really upset. Here come here come the Cavs in that vaunted two three zone. Here it comes, yep, boys. Yep. Uh, and it, and Colin yeah, Sexton I feel like is playing pretty well yeah, lately. Colin Sexton's been good. He's, he's been shooting, really good in the second half of the season. He's shooting well overall his like impact numbers are like his like it's got to be weighted by how bad oh. the team is. I mean, you know, well, like, no, but, but some of the stuff adjusts for that, though. And, right, yeah, right. He's been trash in a lot of these, like, bigger catch-all um, impact numbers. That said, he has shot the hell out of the basketball. Um, but, yeah, the Cavaliers right now, this is according to basketball reference, they're, they have a defensive rating. They're 30th in the NBA right now, 117.4. Uh, that would be, again, according to Basketball References database, going back to the 73-74 season, that, in fact, would be the worst defense in terms of efficiency in the history of the last, uh, the last you know, 45 wow. years, basically, the NBA. So, yes, they're bad. Um, but, yeah, it would be. I mean, we saw the Hornets have one of their worst games of the season. That's the thing, too, man. I don't know. Maybe you guys are doing this, but, like, when it's so close at the end, you're just thinking of all these just dumb game losses they had, like the loss to Cleveland early this season when the Cavs were wearing those awful uniforms. And yeah. honestly, one of the games that's been in my that's been banging around in my head a lot the last couple of days is like, remember the last game they played before the All Star break? No, they, they, they <laughs> played. They played. They played. They played Orlando, and the Magic. It was it was on the it was the last it was there was only it was a I think it was a Wednesday night. There were only three games in the NBA That's that right. was one yeah. of them. And I mean the Hornets got obliterated. And you're thinking like, man, if they just like won. I mean, every team could say that when the margins are this thin, but you're just like, man, do you just take one of these dumb losses they had? That yeah. wasn't even like that wasn't even like bad luck. It was just like you didn't even show up against a bad team or a mediocre team and you got smoked in the game that you probably should have won or could have won or uh, uh, whatever. I mean, so they have no um, one to blame but themselves. I mean, clearly the teams that they're battling for this eighth spot, they have tiebreakers over. So it's it's not these games that they've been, you know, performing badly. And it, it's the it's the lower tiered games that you're just like, you gotta win those. You gotta win those. You, do you yeah. guys think that the Hornets the, the Hornets should hang a banner though for hitting their over on the win total this season? By a couple <laughs> Like, cleared they, they, it with ease. Take that, Vegas. They, they, they should. I mean, after the last two seasons, 36 and 36, I think they came low on it both years. So, you know, it's time to celebrate. Hey, here. if they went out, Brian, I think your preseason prediction was 40 and 42. I, I remember back when we did this, yeah, Spencer and I said 41 and 41. I think you said 40 and 42. So, well, we had the mediocrity just dead set. Well, look, boys, uh, if they get to 40 and 40 and 42. Uh, I'm sending you guys some champagne. We're gonna we're gonna remote. Hey, speak, here. speaking of popping champagne, look, the division title isn't off the. Oh, you know, that's not off wow. the table yet. I mean, okay. if we get in the playoffs of Orlando, we're the division champs. So guys, like, get your champagne ready. Come on, we can. Wow. Big time. Look, these are exciting times if you're an NBA fan in the state of North Carolina. There's no doubt and, about it. And that. I said this li- last episode. I, I just want, I just want, you know, playoff podcast. Like, I think that'd be cool, even though we're probably going to get swept or, or maybe yeah. push it to five games. But yeah. uh, just to recap a playoff game, that's going to be the, you know, history for Buzzbeat here. Yeah, it'll be a first for us. That's for sure. If we, if we, I mean, if look at the Southeast Division champs, you know, they demand playoff podcasts, and I would be happy to, uh, to, to, to provide that. So we'll. Uh, We'll see. We'll see if the Hornets can get there. But yeah, you're right. Like, it'd be fun to get really granular and and you know look at X and O's and all the ways that the Bucks would assault the Hornets. But yeah, that would be that would be fun. I would enjoy that. And hey, it would be pretty darn cool to have the Hurricanes up here in Raleigh in the playoffs with the Hornets in the playoffs too. That would be pretty neat to have the two, um, two of the yeah. three. Carolina Pro Sports teams in the playoffs simultaneously. That that would be pretty neat. Too, I actually. will say, no doubt. hockey, you know, playoff hockey is pretty underrated. If you have a team to watch, like you know, I don't watch the Hurricanes during the regular season, but come playoff time, I'll probably catch a game or two. And if they make it to the next round, I'll do the same. So I remember back when uh, they uh, the, they won it all. What was it, two thousand seven, six? six. 
Six. Uh, I remember watching those That's games. Year I graduated high school. Yeah, I yeah. yeah. I will be at I will be at game three here in nice. Raleigh nice. when the, they when they play the Capitals here. I'm very excited. I'm going to be very drunk at that game too. I'm just going <laughs> to well, 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 maybe we can all be at game three of uh, whoever we're going to get slaughtered. Yeah, by. we we should we should we I I was already again. I don't want to like get ahead of ourselves. Yet. Yeah, odds still aren't in, aren't in the Hornets' favor, but. Yeah, like we should. These are these are things we should. It's cool that we're having a like show staff meeting during yeah. the middle of the recording here. It's, it's really you know theater, what, it, theater of the mind here on Buzzbeat at this point. Here at this point, we've been through enough. It feels like we deserve the chance to talk about how we could possibly win one game in a, in a seven game series. I mean, that feels like we've earned the right to do that, right? Like we should. Be hey, the the Bucks are banged up, That's man. True. Maybe Mirtich. <laughs> there you go. Boom! Right on cue. Right. Brian guys here, giving us a right. chance. I found the silver lining yeah. there. Well, yeah, we're typically negative on this podcast, or I guess realistic is probably the realistic. best word. Uh, but yeah, yeah we're real. But yeah. with this, you know, this winning streak here, it feels like we're a whole lot more positive. You know, Frank Kaminsky has just, uh, you know, turned in our eyes. He, he's the savior for this team. So any last thoughts before we wrap this episode up? Yeah, I got some last thoughts. Um, Virginia winning is good for the Hornets. Okay, so let's just all realize here on BuzzBeat that the reason the Hornets have, have caught a, a late-season push because Virginia basketball is about to win a national championship. You guys knew I was going to take a little bit of the stage here to talk to, about man. this, right? That's uh, it. Come on. I, I've got to blow it a little bit. I'm, I'm here, man. I mean, you you guys know me. I, like, I've liked this Virginia team, and I thought they were the second-best team in the country all year after Duke, and, well, Hell, Duke's home. So, yeah, why not have the Who's bring one home for the ACC? I, I like everyone on this team. And, um, and yeah, no, it, it, it's pretty cool to see them, yeah. to see where they've gotten. You know what I mean? So, so uh, Agreed. And so my theory is, Richie, is just like these these two things are parallel universes. Virginia's success and the Charlotte Hornets' success recently, they're, they're interconnected. I'm so telling if, you, you don't have to believe me. But if I'm Virginia wins, your, you think Hornets making the playoffs? Is that what you're saying? Oh I'm guaranteeing. I'm. I'm not telling you that. I'm. I'm gotcha. well, I am telling you that. I'm guaranteeing it. I'm not. I'm not guessing here. It, it's. A, it's the truth, man. Sorry. There is some Tony Bennett. There you go. There you, you go. Yeah. Yep. Former yep. Hornet. Right. 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 Sorry. I'm on a basketball. Look. I'm on a basketball high right now. It's just yeah. there's too many things going right. So where's the what? I just knock them. And yeah, anyone who says that wasn't a foul, like you don't know, like you just don't know the yeah, rules. It's clearly yeah. a foul. Yeah, I mean, Although except for the except for the refs in the Hornets Brooklyn yeah. game from a couple weeks ago. Yeah. With, you know what? Yeah, and it's the whole the whole uh, double dribble thing. Look, it was clearly a double dribble, right? right? But right. I, in the NCAA tournament, you're no team, regardless of how talented you are, you just don't get this far without some luck. And Virginia's had just an insane amount of it here over the last uh, you know a week or so. But they lost to a 16 seed last year. These are the basketball gods talking to us as clearly and as loudly as they possibly can, right? Well, also, say what you will, but like uh, Auburn let them off the hook by fouling. I mean, they had to, you know, it was the last foul they had to give. But they fouled Jerome with one and a half seconds left. Too like, much he, time. He was about to miss a half. He was about to miss a half court shot. You know, like and, 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 and then you let you let Bennett, who's the best in the ACC, draw one up. And and yeah, all, like yeah. they got to look. And not only that, but Jerome was fouled before the double dribble. Okay, if you really want to go back and dig in deep, he was fouled before that double dribble. I'm not saying that's exactly what caused him to lose uh, pos- possession of the ball. But they were trying to foul him right there, and then you can tell Brown kind of pulled back. But, look, we could do this all day. You can talk about the double dribble all you want. There were a I lot was, of blown calls in that game. The refs were awful in that game, period. I, th- I thought it, I was actually a little surprised that they went so quickly after the game ended that they went to, like, Gene Steratore being, like, going down through, like, the, oh, this should have been a double dribble call. I was like, do we usually do this? I mean, I know that game, I know that game was a Final Four game, and it, it ended – in, in, in kind of clunky, weird fashion with some missed calls or not not all missed calls, but just some, some questionable calls or whatever. But it was like, I don't know. It was like a little weird that they went. So I thought I was like, what is the point of this? Like, you can't like reverse right. this. You're just right. showing, you're just showing that like the rest messed up. Like it's just stare toward being like, yeah. oh, I'm going to take my old colleagues and just throw them under the bus. And I'm going to use their footage right here to really emphasize how much they botched yeah. this call. You, you can do that with any yeah. call at any point during the game. Like, you know what I mean? So, like, yeah. a, a call in the first half compared to the second half, like, you might not think it's as pivotal, but, you know, a missed a miss yeah. call is a missed call. And, uh, but, uh, you know, that, that, that was definitely a foul. I think a lot of people think, well, you know, he didn't give him room. But he also fouled him in the air. He also fouled him in the air, which is – 
kind of what I saw. I mean, it, it's a shitty way to end the game, and I think it was so funny to see all those videos of those Auburn fans like celebrate. Have you seen like a couple of those? They're like they thought the game was I, over. I, 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 I'm I'm aware, yes, I hope they're still cleaning up the toilet paper, baby. God, it's miserable. I haven't watched them, but like I, I'm aware yes. of the existence. It, for me, it's like I'm too scarred. It's like I. It's like a, a an old an old Wake Forest fan. You're like I just can't, I can't like see it, it. It just feels too close to home. So, um, but yeah. Anyways, we'll see. It should be fun. I mean, I guess it depends on what your notion for fun is in basketball because it's going to be a bit of a rock fight with uh, Texas yeah. Tech. And uh, but hey, if you're a draft person, DeAndre Hunter versus Jared Culver oh, is a fun, fun, a fun one. Um, yeah, man, DeAndre Hunter kicked ass in the second half against uh, against Auburn. He he was awesome. So um, we'll see if he can do that again. Ty Jerome, again. Speaking of prospects, we got you know he's a he's for real too, and he's been great this tournament. It's been awesome. Yeah, last thing, and then we'll stop talking about college basketball. But um, you know, it feels like destiny for Virginia here. It really kind of does. Just all these breaks they're getting, but. I honestly think Texas Tech. I mean, you just want to stack up the teams and say who's the better basketball team right now. It's probably Texas Tech. These guys are really, really good. They're getting contributions from everywhere and getting contributions from off the bench where Virginia has not been really the entire NCAA tournament. And uh, I think it's a really – I mean, look, nobody's talking about Texas Tech. I I think they're the favorite one. I think Virginia is a one-point favorite. I think Texas Tech's probably the better team. But it does feel like destiny for the Hoos. There, there's that other thing too. Since Duke got knocked out, like Virginia could look across at any possible team they were matched up with and say, like, "Hey, at least we have the best player with Hunter," and that isn't the case. Texas Tech was the one exception to that too, right? Like, like yeah. I, I love Dre Hunter, but Culver is just that much better than him as a as a player and a prospect. So. Uh, it should be interesting to, to, to see how it plays out Monday night. All right, guys, thanks again for tuning in to 98th episode of BuzzBeat. We're almost at triple digits, uh, which is crazy to think about. That. But uh, hopefully you're listening wow. to this on a Monday morning after the Magic lost to the Celtics and the Hornets would now control their destiny. Uh, again, share this episode, retweet it, do everything you want to do with it. Please get it out to all the Hornets fans. Uh, and again, thanks again for tuning in, and go Hornets. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.